1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the
2: beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta.
0: I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since
2: 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never
0: compromise, drink responsibly.
1: Welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for Week 13. We are certainly flying through the NFL season. Uh, glad to be with you. I am Scott Jensted, joined today by Derek Van Riper. If you could please rate or review the podcast, we would always appreciate that. If you enjoy listening to us each week, and hopefully you've uh, you've had some good DFS picks as a result, please rate or review us. Uh, if you give us a bunch of stars and leave a nice comment, it does mean a lot for the podcast and other people hearing about the podcast, etc. Derek, before we start on DFS, I have a uh, a fantasy football fab ethical question that I thought you'd be a good person to talk to about. All right, run it by me. Might uh, You might disagree with me, so it'd be interesting. So take it like an, a league like the NFFC, or it could be any league with fab. If you're out of it, say you're like four and seven, do you have a problem with uh, that four and seven team uh, making a big bid on someone that's you know, out of the race and out of contention?
2: If there's any sort of consolation prize available. I have no problem with teams that are not competing for first place or a playoff spot, still making moves. They have any reason at all to make them. I think they should make moves.
1: So if there's no consolation prize, but even, you know, like the, uh, you know, keeping the league. uh, So you have the best teams possible in the league. Do you have a problem with that then too?
2: Uh, I I think this has come up a few times before. And on the one hand, it's kind of like, okay, like, uh, I don't want someone to selectively dive in right. when they're out of right. it only to screw certain owners or something or to only make that one move. Like, if they're just playing it out to the best of their ability every single week, that's fine. But if, if it's kind of like one of those things where it's, hey, I just noticed I had some fab left, so I spent it. But then they they don't even play their best lineup by by like obvious means, right? I Maybe mean, they leave some scrub from week 12 that had to play because Rams and chiefs were on by. They leave that person in for week 13 after dumping all their fab on somebody that's kind of sketchy. So it's yeah. still, so it, it's still a big gray area.
1: It is. And I, so what I did is I, I'm like one of the NFFC online championship. I'm like five and six or something, but I had, ton, I had a ton of fab. And I essentially looked at, uh, I picked up Gus Edwards last week and I bid on, you know, essentially there was one team that could outbid me. So I, made sure that I could outbid everybody else. And someone hit me up on Twitter saying, you know, felt like you were you know, personally doing it just to top me. And obviously I didn't do that on purpose, but in the NFFC, there is a consolation prize and it's not nothing. I actually won it three years ago and it's $5,000. So I didn't really feel bad about making the move considering that you still have to run your team the rest of the way. And I've actually won it in the past.
2: Yeah, I almost think, even if it's only a small thing, like part of your entry fee back in a normal league, there should be some kind of consolation just to keep everybody active, to keep everybody trying through the end. Uh, because then you you kind of remove that. Hey, you have nothing to play for. Why are you doing this? Sort of question that that can. I, I mean, there can be a, you know nefarious intent in something like that in some cases. But in your case, I think you're very much in the clear.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I, I always wonder about that. Like, you know, you got someone that maybe is competing for something It'd be, it's frustrating when you get someone and, you know, it happens in baseball all the time. The 13th place team has a bunch of fab and outbids you for that, you know, the pitcher you need down the stretch. So I get, it, it can be frustrating, but you know, I had no, uh, I had no ill intent. I don't even know the person that I bid on that hit me up on Twitter. And you know, I, he was mostly, I think he was partly joking around, partly upset, but uh, I just thought it was an interesting thing. Cause you know, you just never know if you have all that fab left and you're not really in it, what you should really do. But I think with the consolation prize, I think i agree with you i think that kind of puts you in the clear that there is something left to play for
2: yeah 100 percent. i mean that's that's the that's the key to really clarifying it and i would say otherwise if someone's making moves with nothing to play for they better be trying hard all the time with the lineup with the pickups just maximizing value to be a thorn everyone's side like legit playing spoiler at every turn not just selectively playing spoiler Beautiful.
1: I, I agree there. So enough about me. I just thought that was an interesting, uh, interesting topic that came up, especially this time of year as we're getting kind of the last couple of weeks of the regular season. But uh, as we jump into week 13 on the DFS slate, uh, my first question for you is just how chalky is Eric e- Ebron going to be this week? Uh,
2: probably even more chalky, chalky than Cameron Bright was last week. <laughs> I mean, Ebron torched the Jags in their first meeting. But more importantly, I think he had at least seven targets in each of the five games that Jack Doyle missed earlier this season. Three of those were double digit target games. It's not priced in at all. The Jags defense isn't what we thought it would be coming into the season. So, I mean, if, if Kittle was like almost 30% owned in the slant last week, I would expect Ebron to get up even above that, probably 35 40% because of the price and because of the things he's been able to do over the course of the season.
1: So my question for you, and we'll, and we'll get into the Jacksonville Indie game, but is, is that a high enough percentage where you're like, you know what? It's Eric Ebron. He's been good, but it's still Eric Ebron. I'm going to fade that and kind of attack elsewhere.
2: Um, I, I think the underweight approach in tournaments would make sense, but I don't think a full fade is something I'd be willing to do because there are a lot of issues with the other tight ends in that price range. Uh, even Greg Olson, who's 100 bucks cheaper, his target volume has been down the last two weeks. So you look at the matchup against Tampa Bay, you get excited about that. He's a viable pivot, but I don't want to go full pivot from Ebron to Olsen across all tournament lineups because I think there's still a good bit of downside when you have the Carolina offense spreading targets around as effectively as they have these last few games.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting. You look at the running backs. You know, I was looking for kind of who was going to be chalky, and you've got you've got Leonard Fournette out, and you've got Marlon Mack with the, in the concussion protocol, maybe out. But both situations where uh, you know in the same game they're playing each other. But you know, Fournette has both T.J. Yeldon and Carlos Hyde, and they kind of split it, and uh, it could work there. And then Marlon Mack has Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines behind him. Do you think any of those guys are especially chalky this week, or do you think the kind of by committee approach makes them uh, makes them not that popular?
2: I think the committees in both cases are going to chip away at the ownership. I think with the Jags especially I mean you, Yeldon's gonna get the passing down work so that really kind of puts Hyde in a weird spot because they're they're home underdogs in that game so the expectation yep. that they're gonna be playing from behind that takes away some of the volume I mean they'll be I, I think Hyde because he's so cheap is gonna get some run because it opens up a lot of interesting possibilities you can throw him in the flex for 3300 hopefully for your sake if you do you get a dozen carries 50 yards and a touchdown you know then maybe you get more but Barring something unusual happening in that game, Jacksonville's probably playing catch-up with a backup quarterback, no less. The drop-off from Bortles to Kessler maybe isn't that big, but this is an offense and a team in general that's just been so underwhelming that I don't think it's as much of a must-play as like the projection for do- for the dollar amount would lead you to believe. Like The value indicators are going to love Carlos Hyde this week, and I'm a little bit skeptical because of Yelton and because of this offense as a whole.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it, too. I think that, uh, you know, I kind of like Naheem Hines, but I think that uh, the workloads can get split up. I think Jacks or Andy might throw the ball a bunch if Marlon Mack doesn't play. He still might play. Um, but I kind of agree. I think the committee kind of messes those situations up enough. Um, looking at the over-unders this week, we've got a pretty full slate, so I want to uh, jump into it. Uh, on the high side, uh, we got three games in the 55 point range this week with a you know, Vegas over under. We have the Rams and Lions at 54 and a half. Obviously, the Rams offense is the big uh, the big appeal there. We have Chiefs Raiders, same kind of situation, big spread, but Chiefs uh, offense obviously is electric. 55 point over under there, and then we have Panthers Bucks. We have uh, you know the, the Bucks again in a game with a high over under. They can obviously score and give up a lot of points. Do any of those three games? Uh, is there any one of them that, that jumps out to you kind of uh, above the other three?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the the higher scoring teams this week are, are kind of in lopsided scenarios again. So the, the Carolina Tampa yep. Bay game was the one that was probably most appealing just because the, the line's only three and a half. And with Carolina having to go on the road, I think that does open up the possibility of Tampa Bay keeping it close and, and really forcing both teams to kind of go back and forth and, and fall into that true sort of shootout. Whereas in the other cases, you look at like the Packers as a big favorite, the Chiefs as a big favorite, uh, those teams just look like they could be in complete runaway mode. The Rams, even against the Lions, could just be running Gurley a lot, or even getting to the point where they're running Malcolm Brown a little bit this week. I mean, I think that's within the range. So that Tampa Bay-Carolina game, I think, is the one that most people are going to fixate on as the highest scoring game with the closest spread, and therefore that's going to be the most stacked game of the week.
1: As a as a 49ers fan, I've had some gross moments the last few years, especially the, the Jim Tom Sula era in general. But scoring nine points against that Buccaneers defense was uh, was among the lows. Yeah, I, I
2: imagine that was pretty pretty rough to watch. Now, like the Nick Mullins tournament dream, it didn't come to fruition for Oof. me. I, I thought maybe you know. maybe it would happen, but um, who who knew? The third string quarterback uh, out of Southern Miss wasn't gonna to cash, as somebody uh, put it out put it out there on Twitter. I mean, it was it, it's, it's possible that at a certain point. Offensive players are bad enough to not take advantage of Tampa <laughs> Bay's uh, poor defense, so uh, I'm looking at that one, and that's I, that's that's me blaming myself for being a little too aggressive last week with Mullins uh, as a, a tournament a stack option against the Tampa Bay defense. Uh, yeah, the, the thing about San Francisco this week, though, they're pretty big underdogs on the road, right? They're ten point underdog going into Seattle. I kind of wonder if if Seattle either just runs away and Chris Carson gets heavy volume this week and he ends up being one of the cheap running backs to own Uh, or if San Francisco can take advantage of Seattle's run defense Matt Breida has a big game they keep it a little closer than expected and maybe that props up Russell Wilson because you really want to attack San Francisco through the air like the, the run defense hasn't been that bad the pass defense is crazy leaky so if you believe that Breida and the run game can get something going early and keep that game close it could make russell wilson and either tyler lockett or doug baldwin kind of a sneaky combo baldwin's banged up again uh, as far as the players that are kind of overlooked on teams that are implied with high totals
1: yeah i think finding that uh finding that game that uh, maybe stays closer than we think or goes higher than we think is an interesting one i have a couple of those as we go through that i definitely want to uh, focus on uh, aside from the big three 55 point overrunners we talked about on the low side We've got Bills, Dolphins, a uh, 40-point uh, over-under. Jets, Titans, 40-and-a-half. I think with a 13-game slate, you can pretty much uh, – we'll talk about some guys in those games, but it can pretty much cross off a lot of players in those games.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things get ugly for Cincinnati, too. Jeff Driscoll taking over for Andy Dalton. A.J. Green probably going to play, but is he 100%? I think that's a, a fair question to ask as well. So you do have some games that are pretty bad on both sides, and with no bye weeks, you don't have to be – Unnecessarily cute going to some of those ugly matchups,
1: yeah, I think that's a good point with with thirteen games on the slate, you know we got no teams on buy anymore. We don't have a you know a full slate of Thanksgiving games or anything like that. Uh, I think you can you can pick and choose pretty well, and you can kind of uh, knock out some games, which is important. So let's jump into the games. Uh, starting at 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. I like to uh, I like to uh, strictly go Pacific time. Uh, we've got Baltimore at Atlanta. Kind of an interesting game. You've got Baltimore with their defense. Atlanta with their offense in Atlanta, where they uh, they tend to be more explosive. Atlanta's fair by one over under a 48 and a half A really a game that sets up really well, but I still had trouble finding guys in this, in this, in this game. I really wanted to attack starting on the Baltimore side. How do you feel about Lamar Jackson uh, two weeks into the experiment?
2: You know, I feel pretty good about it because Atlanta's had some issues against the run and we saw 11 carries again last week for Jackson. Uh, Deion Jones could be back though for the Falcons. So that could be a nice lift to that defense as a whole going on the road for the first time. That's always kind of an interesting test for a rookie quarterback as well. Um, so I'm I'm fine with Jackson. I don't think I have enough different lineups to where I'm going to play him this week. Uh, but I think he's kind of right in that same cash and GPP friendly range that he was in price wise a week ago, where you can probably use him in either format.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I think that's a pretty good description of I mean, it. And it, 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 it's Deion Jones back could be big, but still a nice matchup and indoors. And you got to like him on on fast turf. And it's hard for me to figure out like what exactly you're looking for him is a good game. Like you got to think the two passing touchdowns would be really good with any kind of, you know, he'll have a lot of running yards. It's hard to kind of get in that zone and figure out exactly what you want from him at the price.
2: I think like 175 yards to the air has to be close to the floor and then 50 plus a touchdown on the ground. I mean, if you get that, that's, that's kind of your starting point and there's potential for a lot more. Um, the other side of this game, I mean, I think Gus Edwards is still pretty interesting. I know he had an ankle injury. I think that popped up, on the injury report on Wednesday. He's still pretty still cheap. Uh,
1: still, still too too cheap on DraftKings, still at 4,800.
2: Yeah, I think that's still going to be pretty interesting as long as he's good to go. I think he was limited in Thursday's practice, so it looks like he's going to be fine to start on Sunday. Um, so I imagine that he'll be a cheap flex option or you know poor man's RB2 if you're really trying to spend up elsewhere in your lineup this week. I totally understand that. Uh, the pass catchers, I think, are just unreliable because the attempts haven't been there. Uh, you'd, you'd like to see... Jackson take a couple shots downfield and if he did John Brown would be on the receiving end of that so if you wanted to use a receiver it'd be John Brown in tournaments but it's another thing that I'm just not building enough lineups to go down that path uh, but Julio Jones is priced down on DraftKings and when that happens in a matchup even that's as tough as this one I think that makes him kind of interesting in tournaments even if he comes in at like 12 15 percent ownership a $7,700 Julio Jones Going up against one of the league's best pass defenses, he might produce anyway. We've seen a few high-end receivers put up good games against this Baltimore defense this season. So if you get 20, 25 points out of Julio Jones at that price, that ends up being a really nice return. And you know, it's it's a home game for the Falcons. So uh, I I don't know if I would go after Jones at that price if this game were in Baltimore. But at home especially, I do trust Matt Ryan to get some things done through the air if they're playing catch-up.
1: I think you've got the you got definitely have the theory right with you know the fact you get Julio Jones under eight thousand, but you know I went and looked at um, the stud receivers that, that Baltimore's face, and I saw four games and two against Antonio Brown, one against Michael Thomas, one against AJ Green. None of those four games the guys went over seventy yards, so I was a little wary on how much they may uh, you kind of focus on the top receiver.
2: Yeah, and with Jones too, I mean he's so like volume dependent because he doesn't score as much yeah. as he should that that adds an extra layer of risk, but. It's rare to get him at that price, so I think that makes him it is. kind of intriguing as a tournament play.
1: Six straight 100-yard weeks, too. That's pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, he's, he's crushing right now. Um, and there's been a few pretty tough matchups sprinkled in along the way. So they seem to be locked in on, on making him a focal point in that offense week in, week out. Uh, I, man, that's, that's step one. Step two is continuing to give him targets in the red zone. TDs in three of his last four. We'll see if he can make it four out of five against the Ravens.
1: Yeah, you're right. His percentage in DK will be interesting because he's under, like you mentioned, he's under 8,000 and you've got the, the the great defense, but against obviously the, the best receiver in football. It'd be interesting. Those probably kind of even each other out. And I think you're right about 12 to 15 percent is probably uh, probably about the right number you're going to get on him.
2: Yeah, and that's that's a, that's a rate that I'm, I'm comfortable with. At least if I'm making three tournament lineups, having Julio in one of them is something I'm going to do.
1: Getting studs like that at a a low to mid percentage is a, usually a pretty a pretty good winning formula.
2: Yeah, who do you think is to be more owned between Julio at seventy seven hundred and Odell Beckham at seventy eight hundred against the Bears?
1: Uh, that's a good segue because my Bears Giants is actually my next game. I think that uh, I think Julio will be a little bit more owned, but uh, probably pretty close. But uh, I, I go Julio a little bit just off a hundred. Six hundred yard games in a row. I think people will still flock to that a little bit. Uh, people don't like Eli Manning. People get frustrated by Beckham. But uh, you look at uh, you look at the Bears. You know their defense is obviously great and talked up. But you know Kenny Galladay was good against them uh, last week. Stefan Diggs was good week them against them two weeks before that. So you can kind of see the path for Beckham, but. You, it's just a matter of do you think that squeaky wheel is is a thing this week? And you know, obviously they they didn't game plan for uh, for Beckham last week against the the Eagles secondary, which made no sense to me. But uh, I tend to like Beckham on weeks where he's maybe a little bit annoyed with the team.
2: Yeah, it's it's brilliant to not have him involved against that Eagles secondary. I think if you're oh again thinking God. about it in terms it of crazy. like three different tournament lineups, and you're going to play Julio in one, you could play Beckham in one of the other two.
1: Yeah, I think that works. You look at the Bears Giants game, kind of an ugly game. Over under's forty-five, and it really sounds today from from the quotes from Matt Nagy that, that Mitchell is not going to play. With that in mind, are you touching anything on this Bears offense with Chase Daniel?
2: No, I, I'm I'm not. I mean, I think if you had to, it'd be guys like Tariq Cohen or, or maybe Trey Burton, but I'm I'm hesitant to expect a lot from Daniel this week. The volume was there, but the efficiency was ho hum on Thursday. Uh, I don't think you need to i don't think you need to add that risk on a slate this big.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with you there, and I didn't write up much on the Bears. The only guy that kind of jumped out to me a little bit was Taylor Gabriel. Just he's priced down at forty-two hundred on DraftKings. He has seventeen targets the last two weeks. He had eight targets and seven catches in that game with with Chase Daniel. And I think he's kind of a you know security blanket kind of guy over the middle slot kind of guy for Daniel. I think that in a PPR setting like DraftKings is, I think he might be an interesting way to save some money on the Bears offense.
2: Yeah, I think he he makes some sense if you want to do something a little bit different. Um, I don't have him in my initial builds, but He's so good after the catch. If someone misses a tackle, that's all it takes. Gabriel could score from anywhere yeah. on the field.
1: So you mentioned uh, Julio Jones under 8,000. We have Saquon Barkley against this Bears uh, defense at under 8,000 also. He's at 7,900 on DraftKings, 8,600 on FanDuel. Obviously, you know, the focal point of this offense, they feed him and feed him and then feed him more. He has over 100 yards, uh, total yards in every game but one. A total beast. He looks passes every test. What do you do with him this week against this Bears defense, though? love
2: that he's priced down and it's really tempting to mix him in maybe into that Julio lineup because there's some other running backs at a similar price point that are going to be very heavily owned. Most specifically, I think Kareem Hunt at 7,800 is going to be very popular in the Chiefs Raiders matchup. Agreed. So I think that's going to knock down the Barkley ownership rate a little bit. I still don't think it's going to be as low owned as you might think. I mean, the, the way the Giants concentrate touches on him and use him so heavily in the passing game, he's going to be frequently involved. His ownership rate in the slant last week was twenty-three percent. I mean, I think he falls into like the high teens. I don't think it's gonna be under ten percent Saquon Barkley this week. I think that price is low enough to draw people in. And I think people are viewing him as sort of a matchup proof back based on his skills and just based on the way they use him. I mean, so the Bears go three point six yards per carry on the ground. And that's one of the best marks in the league, if not the best mark in the league to this point. But we know Barkley can be so dangerous in the screen game. I think they might just find ways to get him the ball quickly out in space. And that maybe slows down the Bears pass rush a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I very much see Eli feeling the pressure and kind of dumping balls off to him all afternoon, which is you know really good in DK. What about in Fanduel? He's eight thousand six hundred there, so not priced down as much. Uh, do you think he'll be lower percentage with the without the with the price drop there?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and because of the format difference, only getting a half point per catch. Yeah. I mean, this could be one of those games where Saquon Barkley gets a dozen targets. That that absolutely makes sense from just a scheming against the Bears defense perspective. Uh, even if you don't think the Bears and Chase Daniel are going to run up a, a big lead, which I really don't think they're going to do. Uh, I think that's no. just one of the best ways to try and attack the Chicago defense if you're the Giants.
1: One of my uh, one of my favorite guys in drafts this year. I really liked uh, Sterling Shepard coming into the air finally healthy. He has 37 large yards or fewer in five of his last six games. He's I can't believe how much he disappeared in this offense recently.
2: Yeah, suspiciously quiet. I mean, I expected more of Evan Ingram, too, but they've had to use tight ends to block. And Evan Ingram's not really a yeah. like blocking tight end at all. Um, so it, one of two pretty big disappointments in the passing game. You just wonder like, if they can find him, find upgrades on the offensive line and, of course, replace Eli. Can they get guys like Shepard and Ingram in 2019 to produce at some of the levels we were expecting this year? I'm staying away from both of those guys right now.
1: They should really trade for Nick Mullins.
2: <laughs>
1: yes, they.
2: no one should trade for Nick
1: <laughs> Mullins. Oh, I know. I'm just trying to build up some trade value for my team. Uh, <laughs> we're losing players, losing players every week. So it's it's not good. Um, moving on to one of the uh, one of the grosser games on the slate is the Bills at the Dolphins. Miami's fared by five in this game over under a 40. Uh, <laughs> on the Buffalo side, Josh Allen, 30 points a DK last week. What the heck?
2: Never even thought about even making a crazy nope. three dollar big field GPP lineup with him. His running ability has been way better than anybody would have predicted. I just didn't see anything like that coming from him. Um, It's been kind of the key for him on a few occasions. I mean, back in week three in that upset over Minnesota, he put up 27 DK points then because he had two rushing touchdowns. Like, how weird was that? Um, I, I think the only player that I'm interested in, though, on the Bills' side this week is LaShawn McCoy at a low price. The Dolphins haven't been good against running backs. They're not good at stopping running backs in the passing game either. Shady gets a lot of touches, and most weeks they're they're garbage touches, but under 5K at 4,900, I think he fits well as a flex on DraftKings. I actually like him as either a flex or an RB2 on FanDuel for tournament purposes this week, too, because he frees up a lot of cash for an upgrade elsewhere.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough because he's had that he had that one big game and really nothing else. He's only scored a touchdown in that one game all year. But the matchup is just so nice and the price is so nice. You know, Marlon Mack was 15 for 85 against the Dolphins last before he got hurt. Aaron Jones uh, for your Packers 15 for a buck 45 and you know in Week 10 against them. Uh, the matchup is so nice and the price is so nice. I think uh, I think I agree, uh, especially on on DK where you get the the, the full point PPR. Under five thousand there, he's kind of a nice uh guy to toss in the flex, knowing the volume will likely be there.
2: And the amazing thing too is like normally volume like that in a matchup like this would make him a definite sort of cash game consideration, but his efficiency has been so bad that I still think it's really tournaments only for me with LaShawn McCoy.
1: Yeah, and obviously I had no I have no horse in a in a Buffalo Jacksonville game, but I kinda like the fact that uh, Josh Allen shut Jalen Ramsey up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I um he- He kind of looked like he was, he was looking for him whenever he got, he was running and he looked in the second, he he kind of felt like he was looking for him to try and run over him at some point.
2: I I would have loved to have seen that just just to see how it actually played out. Like Josh Allen attempting to run over Jalen Ramsey might not actually lead to the intended outcome. So that would have been well worth it.
1: Uh, Fully agree that. What about the Miami side? You know, we talked about the low over under any, um, any Kenyan Drake interest here after the two touchdown week last week.
2: Yeah, it's kind of the same as it's been all season. It's it's not as many touches as you want. He's very T D dependent and he still flashes twenty point upside on occasion. He's got three games this year. Where he's gone over twenty DraftKings points, including the one last week against the Colts. So uh if you're thinking along the lines of throwing in a McCoy type in the flex, I think Kenyon Drake kind of fits into that conversation as well because a lot of people are gonna chase Gus Edwards, Lamar Miller, some of the other safer running backs under five K this week.
1: Yeah, I just wish the touches were there. He still only had 13 touches last week for his 96 yards and two touchdowns. You know, Gore still had more carries. I just wonder, you know, game script-wise, if this goes as Vegas thinks it does with Miami's a five-point favorite, if, if we get a lot of Frank Gore in the second half, unfortunately.
2: I mean, the Bills, they give up a lot to running backs, but it's more because they're on the field a lot. It's not because they're, right. they're brutally inefficient, and it's a lot of uh, TD-based production. So uh, unless we get some kind of indication that they're going to use Drake more this week than they have in the past, it's definitely just... A tournament dart and nothing more
1: yeah i don't want to watch this game so i'll probably just uh, not play many guys in it anyway
2: it'll be very easy to uh, to avoid <laughs> I and mean, i don't i don't want to try the the Tannehill Steels thing in tournaments this week even though they're they're really cheap and something like that can always go off in 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 a big field tournament there are other things that are more interesting to me at the lower end of the price pool
1: on, uh, on 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 DraftKings at twenty seven hundred, any interest in the Dolphins defense attacking this Buffalo offense a little bit, or just the the Dolphins defense is not good enough for you to do that?
2: It's not terrible, but I think when you see Houston at home against Baker Mayfield for twenty seven hundred, it's hard to pass on that. Even Denver on the road against Jeff Driscoll at the same price is is probably just as interesting, if not more. The Chiefs on the road against. Oakland for 2,500 there's enough other defenses at or below that price where I'm probably not going to use the dolphins against the bills.
1: We are, we are in agreement there. I think there's other options. I like more too. one of them. You just mentioned uh, the Broncos suddenly playing really good football, going to Cincinnati, Andy Dalton out for the year. Jeff Driscoll has taken over quarterback uh, A.J. Green says he's going to play. We don't know for sure yet, but he seems pretty adamant that he's taking the field this week. Denver's a four-and-a-half-point road favorite, over-under a 44. I kind of find this game a little bit interesting, especially on in the Denver side. Cincinnati's defense is just struggling mightily. Uh, They've given up a touchdown to a running back in, I think it's every week since week one, multiple touchdowns to running backs in five of the last six weeks. That being said, Philip Lindsay looks really good. He's still only 5,400 on DraftKings, 7,000 on FanDuel. Uh, do you love Philip Lindsay this week or you just like
2: him? I love Philip Lindsay this week. and I think a lot of people will. So I wonder if it's kind of the, the good chalk that we saw like on, on Matt Breida last week. And it maybe would have been the case for Marlon Mack, too, if he wouldn't have suffered that concussion in the fourth yeah. quarter. Uh, you know, If they were to fall behind, Lindsay's the guy that's going to be out there instead of Royce Freeman catching passes. But I don't think they're going to fall behind. And as you said, Cincinnati's been horrible against the run. No defense has allowed more to opposing running backs Than the Bengals so far this season so I am all about Philip Lindsay eating the chalk in this case at 5400 can be your second running back can be your flex but I intend to have a lot of shares this week
1: he uh he looks really really fast every time he touches the ball
2: yeah there's just some players when you watch them they look like they're running you know one and a half times the rest of the players (laughs) in the field and and Philip Lindsay is one of those guys gotta be one of the biggest surprises of the fantasy season
1: Absolutely, I mean, and you talked about the the Dolphins' run I mean, Nick Chubb had 84 yards and a touchdown and one receiving last week. The Gus Bus had 17 carries for a, a, a buck 15 and a touchdown the two weeks. T- t- before that so clearly they're getting thrashed uh, i think lizzie i think agree with you it's going to be pretty chalky um but uh, i'm pretty willing to, to to eat that at least on, on DraftKings, kings where 5400 what about the what about the denver pass game it's, it seems like an interesting spot to maybe find some value this week is there any of the uh i don't think i'm going with case Keenan, but are there any of the pass catches you like either emmanuel sanders or maybe Cortland sutton kind of off the hype maybe matt lacoste at tight end with uh, with jeff hireman out for the year
2: yeah i think it's either sanders or lacoste more likely it's lacoste because if i'm If I'm spending, you know, 5k plus on Lindsay, I'm probably looking for a a cheap tight end so I can pay up for some other things elsewhere. And Lacoste, he's so cheap that it's tempting to throw him (laughs) out there in cash as an alternative to Ebron. But Ebron is a reason not to do that. And then the question that then comes like in tournaments, how popular do you think Lacoste is going to be because of the min salary price?
1: I mean, normally I would say really high at 2,500, except for the fact that we already mentioned that we both think Ebron's going to be sky high. And then you're going to get some Travis Kelsey against the Raiders. You're going to get some people who jump back in on Gronk. You're going to get some Kittle plays. It's, just, it's hard to see him get that high just with, other, with all the options and a huge chunk in Ebron.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm okay throwing him out there in, in tournaments, even if he's the second highest owned tight end behind Ebron. Like That doesn't really bother me that much because I think the Ebron share is going to be so significant. That if you do get 50 plus yards and uh, another touchdown from the cost, that's going to be all you need. But uh, I think Denver's passing game overall, especially the receivers, will be overlooked this week. It's not a bad matchup. Do you think there's a chance that Jeff Driscoll is just as good as Andy Dalton or close to as good as Andy Dalton? And with A.J. Green possibly back, they actually keep this game pretty interesting? Or do you think it's a Bengals rollover kind of week?
1: You know, I actually don't, I think this game, I I think this game goes over, I think 44 and a half or 44 is a little bit low. Uh, I like the over here. I think Cincinnati scores a little bit to keep me in and I, I kind of like the Denver pass catches a little bit. I think Cortland Sutton this week at 4200 on DraftKings and 5400 on FanDuel. I think he makes a big play. I, I kind of like him this week as as a way to save some money. Didn't do much last week. Only one catch, 14 yards. The hype is fully worn off. You know, it was really heavy after the Demaryius Thomas trade. He hasn't scored in the three games since then. It's quiet last week, but still 15 targets the last three weeks. He's still involved. He's still the number two. Uh, the, you got to figure that Cincinnati is going to roll coverage to Emmanuel Sanders. I like Sutton to uh, to break out and be a, a surprising play at forty two hundred this week.
2: Well, yeah, and I think it's it's always optimal to be ahead of the curve on these younger receivers getting that explosive performance, like getting that massive target spike. And it, it seems like there is a game like that coming from Sutton, whether it's this week or a week or two out. You know, who knows? But the situation looks pretty good, and I think you are onto something here, where the ownership rate is probably going to be very low on Sutton this week.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, the week when that uh, when young hyped guys, the hype finally wears off is usually when I like to jump on.
2: Yeah, well, that makes all the sense in the world. It worked if you were on Traquan Smith a couple weeks ago against the Eagles.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that would have been nice after the zero target week um, on the Bengals side. You mentioned Jeff Driscoll, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe not that much of a step down from Andy Dalton. Driscoll looked good in spots last week. I, I watched him, uh, you know, after he came in a little bit and. Uh, That being said, though, is there anybody in the Cincinnati Bengals offense that you think you may want to play on on this full slate with 13 games?
2: You know, I I don't think I want to pay up for Mixon at seventy three hundred. He's the sixth most expensive running back this week, which seems pretty high. And it's in a case where Denver could maybe load up the box and force Jeff Driscoll to beat them through the air. It may change if A.J. Green is confirmed healthy enough to play. I know he's angling to go. You put him out there that. Opens things up quite a bit I mean as far as receivers to throw to AJ Green's by one of the five Easiest receivers to throw to in the game right now So that changes a lot about the complexion of the Bengals offense very clearly these last few weeks They have missed him and getting him back Even if he's 80 or 90 percent does make this offense as a whole a bit more intriguing so I think the the initial read for me is stay away wait to get more details on green and then if green plays I don't think people are going to really be interested in him at all. So he'd be an nope. ultra sneaky tournament play at 7,400, but I don't know if I'm committing myself to doing that.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure I could do it either. He's not, uh, you know, he's, he's still 8,000 on FanDuel, not really priced down. Sorry. Someone's trying to call me. Uh, You mentioned Mixon. It's interesting. You know, Denver had that stretch where uh, they give up two, they get back to back 200 yard games to Isaiah Isaiah Crowell and and Todd Gurley. But no running backs got to 70 yards in the last five weeks. It's, It's crazy. It's like they flipped a switch and suddenly they're a good run defense after being horrendous to start the year.
2: Yeah, that's that's been a big surprise. I thought after that Crowell game, especially Denver was becoming a team to pick on. And like the Mixon thing. I think he's talented. I think he's the kind of back that can be productive in most matchups. But I just think this setup in particular is one where he might be facing the heaviest boxes he's seen all season.
1: Yeah, I, I I tend to agree there. It's not someone that I want to play this week. Uh, if, if I'm going way outside the box, we mentioned Lacoste and Ebron kind of sucking up ownership and, and Kelsey and Gronk, a uh, additional two. Um, CJ Uzoma, I always mess that up, so I'm sure I said it wrong again. 3,400 on DraftKings. Dude had 13 targets last week with Driscoll.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things we see backup quarterbacks do sometimes. They lock on to the big target, short intermediate passing game, leaning on the tight end. Even if you're going to pencil him in for something closer to the average he had the previous three weeks, he was between four and five at that price. He's at least tournament viable. Uh, but I don't see myself getting away from the Ebron Lacoste duo. I think I'm just going to be using one of those two guys in most of my lineups this week. But I think you're right to be somewhat interested in CJ Uzoma. Uh, Cause I think he'll be a little bit overlooked. I mean, there's, there's reasons to stay away from the Bengals offense and, on a slate this big, that's what people are generally going to do.
1: He's got to be what, like a a two percent guy this week, something like that.
2: Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: Yeah, with with uh, with the po- other popular tight ends, so I always uh, I like to I uh, like to see that the thirteen targets jumped out to me pretty good with the, with the new quarterback. So I think I'm in tournaments. I might uh, you know if I play five lineups, I might uh, try and slide him into one.
2: I I like the idea. I don't know if I'm going to get to five different lineups this week, but uh, I like where your head's at.
1: So the uh, the Rams, the mighty Rams, uh, coming off that big win against the Chiefs, then the bye week, are headed to Detroit. Uh, early game on the on the West Coast, ten a.m. Rams are favored by ten, over under forty fifty four and a half. Obviously, a lot of that uh, based on the Rams' offense. Um, I love this Rams' offense. There's there's it's hard to get away from it. Um, it's just it's just trying to figure out, you know, who you want to play with it this week. Do you want to go, you know, in one of the receivers? You think Detroit and Stafford, you know, can hang in there a little bit. The Rams have given up a lot of points. Or do you think this is a Todd Gurley week, you know, coming off the week where they kind of went away from him in the Chiefs game. Uh, he didn't score. You know, there were 14 touchdowns. He didn't have any of them. Uh, how are you feeling about the Rams this week? Do you have a vibe on uh, on you want to go passing game or run game? I think I want to go
2: passing game because I think the discounts – on some of the higher-end running backs are such that paying up to Gurley this week is a little bit less desirable. So whether it's just Cooks or Woods as a one-off play or pairing one of them with Goff, I'm more likely to do that. Uh, Josh Reynolds, still kind of interesting for tournaments because the price is low. Probably not doing that myself. Uh, But the thing that really kind of makes this game more interesting, if it comes out this way, if on Johnson practices Friday and ends up returning, that opens up the Lions offense a lot carry on yeah. johnson's not out there i'm not expecting le blunt to come out and repeat what he did last week against the bears in terms of <laughs> the yard that was efficiency. crazy yeah like the the Rams, you can run on the rams a little bit i don't think le blunt's gonna run on the rams so i think what's gonna happen is the lions are gonna fall pretty far behind stafford's gonna get one dimensional he's probably gonna lock in on kenny galladay and you know the rams are gonna build up that big lead and the question is how they're gonna build it up well i think it's gonna be pretty balanced again Good bit of Gurley, the usual Cooks-Woods split. If I'm only getting one of those guys, Brandon Cooks is my choice at 7K on DraftKings. I like Woods a little better because of the pricing on FanDuel. There's so little that separates these guys week in and week out. But I think Brandon Cooks, more so than he was used in New England, is now being used in an optimal way by Sean McVay this season.
1: He has uh, he has 100 yards in three straight games, 24 targets the last two weeks. It, it, it's surprising to me that... You know, I love McVay, but surprising me that McVay found such a good way to use him, whereas Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, really didn't.
2: Yeah, I mean, eight or more targets in eight games this season for Brandon Cooks, so plenty of volume week in and week out too.
1: I think they've realized he's just not a guy you throw fifty-yard bombs to exclusively.
2: Yeah, he's he's more dynamic than that.
1: Yeah, uh, I love Robert Woods this week. I would actually go with Woods over Cooks. I just think. Uh, Woods is so consistent. I like the fact he's only scored once in the last seven weeks. I kind of feel like a couple, a two-touchdown game is coming. Uh, he was super active early in that game against the Chiefs, scored the first touchdown, and then kind of they went away from him. They went uh, a lot of Gerald Everett and Higby and obviously a lot of Brandon Cook. So uh, I like Woods this week. He has a – you know, he, Robert Woods is over 70 yards each of the last 10 weeks of the season.
2: That's pretty remarkable. I think he'd gone like yeah. eight games without a red zone target before that Monday night game against the Chiefs, which seemed pretty weird. Like I, there's no specific reason – to not throw to Robert Woods in the red zone. I know they run it a lot and throw it a lot to Gurley, and that's part of it too, but it uh, it just seemed like something was due for correction as far as Woods' usage in those situations.
1: I've uh, I've actually, uh, I, I've missed a lot of things, but I've hit on my favorite uh, quarterback, wide right receiver stacks last two weeks. I'm going to say that uh, Goff and Woods is my favorite stack on the slate.
2: Nice, yeah. I mean, Goff, I think, will be reasonably high owned, but not ridiculous. I think quarterback distribution should be pretty... Pretty balanced with Mahomes back on the slate as well. You know Cam going up against the Bucks, Luck priced down in the road against the Jags. That's kind of interesting, too. Um, you know Deshaun Watson home at a pretty reasonable price against Cleveland. There's, there's lots of angles to take at quarterback. It's even Kirk Cousins going into New England for 5,500 on DraftKings is pretty interesting, too. So even if you end up with someone who's one of the top three quarterbacks in terms of ownership, you're probably talking 12% at most. And in Goff's case, it might even be closer to 7 or 8%.
1: It's, uh, it's disappointing that, uh, that Pittsburgh's not in the slate this week. So I can't spend 10 minutes, uh, talking about my Juju Smith bonanza last week.
2: Yes. Uh, you, you crushed on that.
1: <laughs> it's uh it one that, uh, one that finally worked out well. Unfortunately, my running backs did not do the same or it could have been, uh, could have been big. I had a couple of, a uh, couple of big DraftKings numbers, but, uh, in the wrong challenges, I, uh, I was down in the, in the pentathlon. I gave up some ground finally to you guys.
2: Well, I didn't make any ground up. So if that makes you feel any better, at least you got that <laughs> going for you.
1: Uh, On the other side of this ball, we have the Lions. Uh, You mentioned Kenny Galladay. I think he's probably the prime target for everybody. He's still not priced up that much. He has 35 targets last three weeks. I mean, they are just feeding him to a huge extent. 6,700 on DraftKings, 7,300 on FanDuel, affordable on both. Really nice game script. Uh, you know, men, you mentioned earlier, Rams probably get out to a big lead. You got to think Stafford just throws and throws and throws. And if you're going to beat the Rams, kind of the back end of that defense has, has been the spot to do that so far this year. You know, Tyreek had 215 and two touchdowns on them last week. Michael Thomas had 211 on the week nine. That's That's two receivers over 200 yards the last three weeks.
2: Yeah, I think if you're looking at 12 to 14 targets for Galladay this week, you're probably getting 110, 120 yards and hopefully a touchdown if you play him. I think he's cash game viable because the price is so low on both sites and comes back to being one of those popular guys for tournaments because of the price that maybe you end up with uh, a few less shares than you would like because you know the field's going to be aggressive with him. But I like the setup for him a lot.
1: What uh what's happened to Matt Stafford? He looks like a different guy than he did the last couple of years.
2: I, that whole team, like Patricia just it does. something something's weird with Matt, Patricia and just, so the way he's handling reporters and pressers. It just seems like a guy that I don't know if he lacks confidence or he feels like he's lost control of, of the locker room in year 1 or I'm just grasping at straws, but something feels very typically Lions about this franchise again. And you know maybe did, it's just
1: did he really gravity. tell someone to did he really tell someone to sit up straight or something a couple of weeks ago?
2: Yeah, there was that posture thing, and he just <laughs> he he seems very irritated all the time. And yeah, it's like, he does. You know, your old boss can be irritated with people all the time because he might be the best coach ever, but right, you as one of his disciples need to prove yourself before you can be that surly with everybody.
1: Yeah, Bill Belichick and Greg, Greg Popovich can be that way because they have done what they've done.
2: Yeah, they, they've they've earned that. If, if that can be earned, they have earned it. And Matt Patricia will never earn
1: that. Uh, moving on to an interesting game, you know, one that we would not have picked this spread, you know, five or six weeks ago. Indy going into Jacksonville. Four point favorites on the road, uh, Jacksonville. Uh, I think they're four six and one. You know, probably the biggest disappointment in football. There were a, lo- a lot of people who loved this team, um, coming off their near Super Bowl appearance last week last year. I mean, they probably should have made the Super Bowl if they uh, they do a couple things differently uh, in those playoffs. But uh, Andrew Luck is on fire. You know, obviously comeback player of the year after sitting out last year. Three plus touchdowns in eight straight games. Uh, he's uh, he's priced up on Fanduel 8200. two hundred. Still still pretty well priced on DK. My question for you is, do you think this Jacksonville defense is kind of checked out right now?
2: It feels like it. And I know they've had some injuries yes. this year, but uh, you look at Luck. I mean, he had a lot of success against this Jags defense just a few weeks ago. It was at home, and he's been a lot better at home than on the road. But a lot of quarterbacks have that that lift at home. 21.4 DraftKings points per game on the road this season for Luck, though. At 5,800, that's pretty solid. Uh, I'm not really worried about him turning the ball over much because this is just a different version of the Jags defense than what we saw a year ago. And if you think back to, I think it was week 11 when Pittsburgh went into Jacksonville, Ben Roethlisberger was under 4% owned in the slant. The $9 tournament on DraftKings, uh, same in in the Millie Maker as well. I know that Ben carries that, can't play well on the road with him a lot more than most players do, but I still think you're getting single-digit ownership on Andrew Luck in a matchup where he just crushed them a few weeks ago. I think he can crush them again as implied totals go, and they're upper third on the board, and, and maybe they, they end up getting a little more mileage. I mean, if Marlon Mack is out, uh Naheem Hines is the back that I'm more interested in because he has the passing down work. So I think in DraftKings, especially the low four thousand range, he becomes a flex player I'd be interested in. But, you know, as chalky as Eric Ebron's going to be. I think we're going to be a little surprised at how low owned Andrew lucky is compared to some of the other higher end quarterbacks on the board.
1: Yeah, I mean, a big factor this past D for Jacksonville too. Jalen Ramsey didn't practice yesterday or today. So looking pretty doubtful of him to play after fully missing practice the last two days.
2: Yeah, if he's if he's out this week, that just adds more to my interest. But I still don't think the masses are going to flock over to luck in this spot.
1: So on the same token, you know, you've got a lot of people going to be on Ebron. Do you think T.Y. Hilton slides through pretty low ownership this week because nobody's going to play Hilton and Ebron?
2: Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Hilton gets somewhat ignored. Uh, the price is still pretty reasonable. And you know when he's healthy, it, all it takes is those occasional big plays for him to make value on one snap. He did it a couple weeks ago for us. I think he could do it again here. If I'm pivoting away from Ebron in a lineup, going right over to Hilton might be part of, of that mindset in tournaments.
1: Yeah. I really like that theory too. I think that uh, in the spots where I don't go Ebron, I kind of like sliding to Hilton also. I, I really like that idea. I think that's a, that's a pretty good call
2: or even in just Hines too. I mean like that, that could be the other way to get exposure. I'm, I'm definitely not afraid at all of using Colts in this spot.
1: Uh, Leonard Fournette is suspended for this game for his, his punch during the game last week in Buffalo. Uh, with that being said, any interest in TJ Yeldon or Carlos Hyde? Do you think they split it too much? Uh, you know, if Jacksonville gets behind, you know, Yeldon's obviously the guy. If they get a bit of a lead, it's Hyde. So you're really you're really depending on game flow. Cody Kessler's playing quarterback. If you haven't heard of uh, some other people haven't heard for Blake Bortles. So who knows where we're getting this offense. I don't want any part of Jacksonville's receivers. I've given up on all of them. Uh, DD Westbrook's probably my favorite guy there, but probably not going to play him with Kessler until I see a game. Do you touch the running back situation at all with, with their, with their cheap prices? No,
2: I, I wish Yeldon were priced like high on DraftKings. He's 4,400. I just think there's other backs within a few hundred bucks of that price that I like a lot more because they're not sharing or because I just believe in their offenses a lot more. Easy pass for me, even though you can get a lot of salary relief going down the Carlos Hyde path. I'm just not going to do it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. He's actually more expensive on Fanduel and, and much cheaper on DraftKings. I suppose some of that's the PPR, but uh, just the difference between the sites was uh, kind of jumped out to me a little bit.
2: Yeah, Yeldon at 4,800 on Fanduel is kind of the sweet spot for the two backs on the two sites, but I don't think it's it's. Not, I, don't, I don't think you have to do it.
1: Yeah, I think I like – it's weirdly like Yeldon more on FanDuel and Hyde more on DraftKings just because of the price, even though the, the PPR aspect is kind of opposite on them. Yeah,
2: it almost like overcorrects for the scoring system.
1: Yeah, agreed there. Uh, next game we have – a kind of interesting game too. We have Cleveland going to Houston. Cleveland's playing pretty good football right now. Houston's a six-point favorite, obviously, on fire. I think they've won eight or nine in a row. Uh, over under this game is 48, so a pretty interesting, uh, interesting total. Starting on the Cleveland side, uh, Baker Mayfield has played really well the last two weeks, seven touchdowns multiple TDs in five straight games, you know, as a rookie he's really having a good year. But he's only topped uh, 260 yards once in that stretch. So I think uh, I think while the touchdowns are there, the yards kind of keep a ceiling to a, to a, a bit of a minimum.
2: Yeah, I, Baker's price especially on DraftKings is is kind of elevated to a level where ownership will be down, but I'm I'm not going after him here. The game script could be set up perfectly. If Deshaun Watson and the Houston offense puts up points, gets into the high 20s like it, like we expect them to Mayfield maybe gets 35-plus attempts. Part of the problem I'm having right now, though, is the weapons. David Njoku's been banged up. Jarvis Landry is doing nothing Ugh. with his targets. I mean, he's just rotting away out there. So I, I'm just beginning to accept the L on, on Jarvis Landry. Todd Haley's not going to make him Antonio Brown light. Um, maybe John Dorsey is a totally stupid GM, and and trading <laughs> for him was actually a bad idea um totally possible i've said that so now they'll have a good game but whatever if people take advantage of that good for you um I i think nick chubb is the most interesting player in the browns offense but i do worry about him in a script like this where they could fall behind the encouraging thing is he's been targeted at least three times in three of the last four games so they seem to have some designs on making him a part of their passing game and there's no reason to think he can't do it like they're They had Sonny Michel at Georgia. That's why Chubb wasn't catching passes in college. So I look at Chubb as one of those guys that could actually develop that part of his game. He's 7000 on DraftKings this week. So the price keeps ticking up because the efficiency has been really good. I don't think I'm going to have Nick Chubb anywhere. And I think I'm kind of staying away from the Browns offense, even though they might have to play catch up on Sunday.
1: Yeah, you talk about Chubb's pass catching, you just have to watch that touchdown catch he had last week to know that he can probably catch the ball okay.
2: Yeah, it was, it was an awesome catch. <laughs> I mean, he's got it was. Uh, 27.8 DraftKings points last week, 38.9 the week before that against Atlanta, you know, back-to-back wins. Maybe things aren't just different for the Browns, though, as far as the team outlook goes, simply by not having Hugh Jackson around, like addition by subtraction.
1: Yeah, that works. So Eric Ebron's forty two hundred on DraftKings. Ninjoku is forty three hundred. I'm just going to tell you the the last three weeks that Houston has faced tight ends. They faced Johnu Smith, Jordan Reed, and Jeff Hireman. Sounds like yeah, kind of whatever. Uh, you know, Jordan Reed's pretty good. The other two guys are whatever. Each guy has a touchdown and sixty plus yards. I think Injoku makes a really interesting move away from Ebron if you're trying to avoid the chalk and go with someone who's gonna be very low low percentage in a game with a good game script with a pretty good over under. I think Injoku, as long as he practices uh, you know tomorrow and looks okay, I think he's someone that I'm going to uh, I'm gonna play to kind of get away from the Ebron and play a little risky there.
2: Yeah, I think I'm I'm lowering my expectation target wise for Injoku though from like the seven plus he was getting when Baker Mayfield took over. To like five or six, but at that price, you can yep. certainly do it in tournaments. For a while, Njoku looked like a clear cut cash gameplay. I just think he's a tournament only guy yep. right now because of the uncertainty about his health and the lower volume compared to what he was getting when Baker first took over.
1: I do too, and it seems like there's games where they just go away from his The last, last five games, his target's been 6-0-5-1-5. So it's been really up and down. Um, but I think in a tournament, if you're trying to avoid the Ebron uh, huge percentage, I think he's an interesting guy to move to. If you don't go way down to the cost or way up to Kelsey, I think Njoku kind of slides in really nice at that same price. And you to think anybody that looks at that, uh, you know, logs into DK and looks at it, they're uh, oh, just going to go straight to Ebron right away with, at the same price.
2: Yeah, I think the, the other pivot's going to be Greg Olson. And I think the Olsen path will be more common than the Njoku path. So uh, I would agree with your your read on the situation that Njoku kind of cruises by in this spot against a Houston defense that's been bad really all season against tight ends. Six most fantasy points allowed to the position thus far.
1: So we mentioned the game script for, uh, you know, has Houston as a six-point favorite. Does that make you like Lamar Miller? He seems underpriced to me at 4,600 on DraftKings. Someone that I don't always love playing, especially recently. But 4,600, it's going to have to draw a lot of people in.
2: Yeah, I mean, he can get 18 to 20 touches in a close game, too. So if you think the Browns can hang around a little bit, that bodes well. You get a little less Elford Blue, a little more Lamar Miller. I think he's going to be as popular as ever because he had the huge game with that 97-yard touchdown run on Monday night. Uh, but he's cash game viable because of the setup here. I mean, the price is good. The workload's typically pretty good. I've got him as my main flex option right now in my cash game builds.
1: So Deshaun Watson, you mentioned him earlier, uh, 25 or fewer pass attempts in six straight games. It is clear that Houston has completely changed his offense over the last month and a half. More Miller, more blue, less Deshaun Watson kind of keeping him out of trouble. He did uh, run the ball more last week. He He looked kind of as fresh as he has in a long time in that Monday night game. Uh, so what do you do with this pass offense? You know, they're favored in the game, but it is a pretty good over under. And you can you can you can score on Cleveland. Uh, do you think that Watson and Hopkins kind of slide through it lower than usual ownership just based on the targets and the passes the last few weeks?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think if you're building with that combo, you're you're building with the hope that Cleveland is good enough. You probably want to run it back with Njoku or something else in the right. Browns offense. To you know, kind of have the the full correlation of the game playing out the way you expect it to, uh, but I think because you can pay up a little bit more, and I mean you can pay a hundred more and get Aaron Rodgers if you still think the Packers can do some damage in a game where they're implied to score a lot. You can pay up a little for Cam Newton, five hundred more if you want to go real big quarterback. You can come down from Watson to Winston at six thousand to Lamar Jackson at fifty nine hundred to guys like Andrew Luck at fifty eight hundred. I just think there's a lot of players. Within a couple hundred dollars of Watson, who are cheaper, who are all going to end up kind of pulling ahead of him ownership wise this week.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. It's just so hard to hit a ceiling which you want in a tournament when the guy's throw throwing only 25, uh, 25 passes. It's just hard to get, get – You to be so hyper-efficient to get the yards and touchdowns in those few number of attempts. Just, It's hard to see him get there. The only way to get there is the way you mentioned where Cleveland scores maybe more than we think, and this turns into a you know a 34-28 to 28 type game, which uh, is tough to see against Houston's defense.
2: I wonder if we're going to get back to a stretch, though, where he's getting at least five designed runs per game. He had that to begin the season. The first five weeks, at least five carries for Watson – uh things kind of tapered off a little bit. The Dallas game was the was the stethoscope game, right? Where they were like checking out his his lungs or something on the sidelines, and that's yeah. when the, the running attempts kind of fell off a little bit, popped back up to nine. It was his highest total since week five, since the stethoscope game on Monday night. So if he's completely <laughs> healthy again, that changes a lot about his ceiling. If he can run the way we've seen him run before, even if he's stuck in that mid-20s attempts range. 50 plus yards on the ground. And, and that possibility of a rushing touchdown does change that ceiling quite a bit.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that the, the rush aspect is what makes him such an explosive player. I just wonder, you know, they've, they've played so well. They've won so many games in a row. I just wonder if they're going to tell him, you know, yeah, go out of bounds four yards before you would. I just, I think they're so hyper vigilant about protecting him right now that I just wonder if they're going to make sure that he doesn't, uh, doesn't really go off in the running game like that.
2: I don't blame them for that approach. I, I just, I don't either. They, they, <laughs> they're tricky because they've just had, they've had so much success. There's no reason to shake things up in a big way when you're playing as well as they're playing right
1: now. Agreed. Um, moving on, you mentioned uh, the Packers. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers, 14 point favorites uh, at home in Lambeau against the Cardinals over under a 44 and a half. So uh, with that big of a spread and, and over under kind of in the middle range, uh, Arizona's implied toll is obviously really low. Do you touch the Cardinals offense at all going into Lambeau? I wasn't
2: planning on it. Uh, there might be volume there, so Fitz or, or Christian Kirk could be low on guys that get lots of targets. I think the most interesting thing in this game is actually the other Aaron, Aaron Jones. I mean, I think the price is low. The usage is very similar to how the Chiefs are using Kareem Hunt. With the Packers being two touchdown favorites, I think he's an easy cash game play, which I've been waiting a long time to play Aaron Jones in cash, yep. but here we are. Like, I, I think this is a week where he gets. 16 to 18 touches pretty easily with room for a bit more.
1: Yeah, I mean he had 72 yards last week against a tough Minnesota defense. 103 yards against uh, total yards against Seattle. Week before that, you got to think he's foaming at the mouth to face this Cardinals defense.
2: Oh, he should run all over them. And the Cardinals one of the weaker run defenses in the league as well. So aside from the game script being good, you know even if even if Arizona was keeping the pace, the per carry numbers are going to be really good or should be really good for Aaron Jones this week. And they're good for him most weeks because he's just that explosive.
1: Yeah, and he finally had 20 touches last week. So, I mean, it's clear that he's finally the guy. We had a long time to get here, but he clearly is. Arizona, you mentioned, tough against the run. They've allowed 177 yards per game to running backs, so which I think is is the worst in the NFL. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler had three touchdowns on 170 total yards against them last week. I guess my only concern here is that you know the Packers get up 28 to 3 and they they stop they stop using Jones but uh, if that's the only risk you really have with Jones I think he's a pretty good play this week. I, I love him too this week.
2: Yeah, if they get up 28 3. I mean there's a decent chance that he's got at least one of those touchdowns and in, in 80 right. yards along the way and at 6700 that's enough for him to make value but he could get you 25 maybe even 30 DraftKings points in this matchup so Absolutely love Aaron Jones. If you're doing some different things elsewhere in your lineup, I think you can use him in tournaments, but he's going to be very highly owned this week.
1: Yeah, agreed there. So with that being said about Jones and the game script, uh, what do you do with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams this week? Is it just uh, something you think that uh, they're not going to be throwing the ball enough in the second half? You think Arizona can do anything to hang in this game? Uh, You're the Packers guy, so how do you you feel about Rodgers and, and Adams this week?
2: I'm a little bit worried about the Cardinals getting some pressure in the pass rush. I mean, with David Bakhtiari banged up, If they have to play Jason Spriggs out at left tackle again, I think you could see Chandler Jones especially creating some matchup issues. And and that's the kind of thing that could help Arizona hang around. Um, I'm kind of curious to see if Arizona opens things up offensively enough to exploit some of the injuries the Packers have had in the secondary. Where that defense is at health-wise coming into the matchup maybe changes things a little bit. I I thought Arizona was going to keep things closer against the Chargers last week, and I whiffed in a big way on that. So my they, were, they, read were up, of,
1: they were up ten nothing.
2: Yeah. And then just the wheels <laughs> fell off. But my, yeah. my read on Arizona was, was just so far off last week that I, I feel like I'm better off not messing with this game very much outside of Aaron Jones, maybe mixing in the Packers defense uh, a little bit as well. I mean, Rosen has thrown more picks than touchdown passes so far. The Cardinals allow a decent number of sacks. So pretty good setup for the Packers defense at home in this one as well.
1: Yeah, got to love a big home favorite there. Uh, they're 4,400 on FanDuel, 2,800 on DraftKings. But it's funny you mentioned Bokhtari. I mean, I watched that game against the Vikings last week. It got really ugly for the Packers after he got hurt. Yeah, and just the way –
2: like I mean, they showed him a lot on the sidelines. He was talking to several teammates and, and members of the medical staff. And he, he just kind of worried. Tried to come back in and had to leave again for for good. I just – I think they're probably at that point where – Maybe they try to play him at the beginning of the game if he shows enough improvement by the end of the week, but there's no guarantee that he actually is able to play start to finish. And if they open up a lead, they may just go to the backup option in Spriggs or something anyway, just to avoid wear and tear on Bakhtiari. So that that makes me a little bit worried about Rodgers. We're not getting a sort of discount on him right now at all either. Like He should be priced down kind of like Brady. He should be like the high fives instead of the low sixes. I know it seems like splitting hairs, but... We're getting good discounts on other quarterbacks. Why doesn't that apply to Rodgers? Because he's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Kirk Cousins is 5500 in a game where they may have to throw it 40 times.
1: I couldn't believe Cousins, Cousins' price when I when I saw draftings this week.
2: I don't understand it at all. And I, I don't know if it's because it. he's just yeah. eaten the Packers alive twice this season if I overrate Kirk Cousins in my mind. But as long as that Diggs knee injury is not a, a big issue, Kirk Cousins at 5500 is really appealing at that price.
1: Agreed there. Uh, we have a monster morning slate. Last game in the morning, uh, Carolina at Tampa Bay. You mentioned this game earlier. 55 point over under Christian McCaffrey off the gigantic game uh, last week against Seattle. 125 yards rushing, 112 receiving, scored multiple times. Now has multiple touchdowns in four of five games, 130 plus yards in three of four games. And it's it's interesting to see that I mean, th- there was a time earlier this year and late last year where you know, Cam Newton was getting the one and two yard touchdowns. They're now using McCaffrey from the one and the two yard line. A lot. He did a ton of touches in the red zone. Ton of touches the goal line uh, against Tampa Bay defense. Are you just full bore on 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 C Mac this week? Do you think he'll be too high percentage? Obviously, he's gonna be super popular.
2: Oh, he's gonna be extremely popular even with the inflated price tag. Eighty eight hundred on DraftKings is the most expensive he's been all season. I think it's a five hundred dollar increase from his previous peak, which was Week Six against Washington. Tampa Bay is just not a good defense. It's it's really. Something feels weird about going after a player at the highest price of the year coming off his best game of the year. It but does. if there's ever been a setup for him to do it again, this is kind of it. Like he could, he could crush again. Uh, but I think the interesting thing about McCaffrey is what he does to the other running backs. I wonder if people look at him as a clear-cut, viable pivot. They saved the 500 bucks on Gurley. You paid down a little bit. You still get one of the top two backs on the board. And if that is part of how we get the Saquon Barkley ownership rate down to that high teens range instead of being in the mid to high twenties range.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting point. I mean, McCaffrey was good against them. They played a week nine. He had 157 yards and two touchdowns that week. Uh, you know, the Niners didn't do anything last week against Taylor, but Matt Breida still had 160 yards on 14 carries. Saquon had 142 yards before that. It's, it's hard to find a reason to get away from McCaffrey aside from the kind of game theory, uh, percentage owned, uh, spot.
2: Right. And I think, For the pentathlon purposes, too, like I'm trying to make up a lot of ground. I think I'm fading him because I expect him to be in in cash games. I mean, is he going to be, what, 40, 50 percent owned this week?
1: Yeah, I I could see I could see him getting a number. I mean, I think that uh, I think that maybe Kareem Hunt and Saquon and, and Gurley get some percentage. But I think McCaffrey's easily the most popular of those four.
2: Yeah, I think McCaffrey Hunt is going to be everybody's preferred combo. And your willingness to pay down for one or both of those spots is where you can start to get a different combo, even of other high-owned players: Aaron Jones, we mentioned before, Philip Lindsay, uh, Lamar Miller. I mean, if you, if you want to go like ultra cheap at running back this week and spend up everywhere else, I think the board is set up in a way where you can get away with it.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. It's just a matter of you know if McCaffrey has fifty points again, you know it's not going to work. But uh, hard to see that happening again. But. If you look at the the passing game for the the Panthers, obviously this overrunner's high. It's not going to be just McCaffrey. Cam Newton uh, now has multiple touchdowns in 10 straight games, but he's only over 300 yards twice in that stretch. So it's a – While Well, his floor has been really good. His ceiling has not been that great. Had a nice rushing week last week, 63 rushing yards, but DJ Moore uh, on the, in the past game, clearly taking over as the number one guy, Devin Funches may or may not play this week. I'm not sure it really matters. DJ Moore has 17 targets last two weeks, 15 catches, uh, about 246, 48 yards in that stretch. So just going off, uh, it's a good matchup, uh, you know. Gets Tampa favor. They haven't allowed a hundred yard receiver in a month. Some of that is who they've played, but they've they've been a little more stingy than usual. But I'm not buying it with the Bucks defense.
2: No, I think it just comes down to how much you trust the eight and a half targets each of the la- over the last two weeks as something that's repeatable for more. I mean, he looks so good with the yeah. ball in his hands. I, I just think he's one of those players that could be up in the mid six thousand dollar range a week or two from now. So I'm. I'm looking at him as another guy that's up at the highest price of the season, but I'm having a difficult time staying away in this particular matchup. Do you trust him enough because the price is down where it is to play him in cash this week?
1: He feels a little bit more like a tournament guy to me, but I think the price is okay if you want to do it. But, uh, I think, uh, I think more tournaments for me on DJ Moore. I don't think I trust him quite enough for cash yet as much as I like the explosive nature of his game.
2: Cause they have other things they can do in the red zone in particular. Exactly. Bam himself, yeah. McCaffrey, Greg Olson. I think that's where I'm having trust issues with DJ Moore and cash. And then you get to tournaments and I feel like everybody is going to be on him at that price. So he's just kind of in this weird, I don't know, like DFS purgatory, I guess, where I'm just not quite sure <laughs> how I want to use him, even though I like the player and I like the matchup at that price.
1: Yeah, that's a good point at 5,600 on, on draftKings, You got to think that as people kind of scroll down the list, they're gonna be like, Ooh, I'm jumping on that. And he, he kind of an auto click pretty quick on him.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's uh, I, I look at Josh Gordon again this week at fifty nine hundred. I want to find the extra three hundred bucks for Gordon in tournaments like I I've seen some projected ownership numbers on Gordon that are really low. And I don't, I don't know if I fully buy into those, but I think he's going to be quite a bit lower owned than D.J. Moore by comparison. And I don't see any reason like to think that Gordon can't outproduce D.J. Moore in this matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of that to me probably depends on a uh, boy on popular today. Some of that depends on Xavier Rhodes. You know, he uh, he has he didn't practice on Wednesday, but then they said he had a good chance to play when they talked to him today. So he might impact uh, how much I like Josh Gordon a little bit. But if he does not play, I really like Josh Gordon this week. That,
2: I mean, that would definitely add to the overall interest and probably pop up the ownership rate a little bit. But I think I think they'll move Gordon around a little bit, and Rhodes won't necessarily follow him all over the place. And plus, I think Gordon's one of those guys that can beat top end corners. I think he's that talented. So especially in tournaments, it, I mean, if Rhodes plays, I almost like it more for the way I'm trying to use Josh Gordon this week, because I think that it'll, makes sense. will yeah. keep other people off him.
1: So on the, on the Tampa side of the ball in this game, you mentioned, uh, James Winston, we were talking about quarterback pricing. He's 6,000 on, on draftkings, on Fanduel. I thought that I thought Winston played really well against Niners last week. He seen more in control than he had been uh, in the last in the, in the few games he played before that. 312 yards two touchdowns uh, Russell Wilson went went off pretty well against Carolina last week 339 and two touchdowns you know Ben had a five touchdown game against him last time these teams played Ryan Fitzpatrick had four touchdowns against them so Carolina if you're going to get them it feels to me like you get them through the air rather than on the ground they seem to be tougher on the ground so if you're to go Jameis this week at 6,000 uh, do you pair him with Evans automatically you're going to be kind of sneaky and maybe go with a little Chris Godwin if uh, d does not play
2: I almost might go down to Adam Humphreys at 42 because i need to save some money somewhere in my lineup so maybe the third receiver spot on DraftKings is the the spot where i do that i do like godwin's upside so maybe it comes down to cash versus tournaments where if i'm playing for floor humphreys is the guy if i'm playing for ceiling it does go to godwin the status of deshaun jackson is important to keep an eye on uh cameron brate you know going up against carolina another team that struggles against tight ends he didn't get crazy good volume last week but he scored and he's still under 4k on DraftKings. So I, I think there's still some appeal with Breit, and I think the Ebron situation and in the, in the Lacoste situation will actually bring the ownership rate down on Cameron Brayton quite a bit and what shapes up to be a very favorable spot.
1: It's a, it's a weird week when we can, you know, we, we've talked about four or five tight ends. We kind of like in that low range. We haven't had that in a long time.
2: Double tight ends in tournaments this week.
1: That's <laughs> I crazy. I, I, about I don't that know how I want to do that. Yeah, I heard someone talk about it on the radio. I mean, I guess maybe if you went with Kelsey and someone, but yeah, I still think that a running back has such a better uh, – so much more upside in that in that flex spot. But it's weird. You know, he's had a couple games where OJ Howard didn't play, and he scored a touchdown right away, and everybody gets excited. But he still hasn't topped 35 yards in any game all year long.
2: Yeah, that's not good. The uh, reception total, I mean, 3-2-1-3-1-3-1-3-3-0 one, three, one, three, one, three, three, zero. and zero. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I I know OJ Howard was out there for a good chunk of those, but right. That's not steady volume. So it's it's kind of just like, hey, he's cheap. He's probably gonna be lower owned. I think you can use him in tournaments. If for some crazy reason, he scores twice, you might get him and be so happy that that happened, even if it's like 35 yards and two touchdowns, you'd be doing backflips at that price.
1: Yeah, my my somewhat off the radar wide receivers this week uh, mentioned. That I like I like Godwin thirty nine hundred and Sutton at forty two hundred. If you're going cheap, uh, those are the two two guys I like. I think that depends on Deshaun Jackson not playing, of course. But I think like you said, Godwin's kind of that upside guy that is the guy that could could score two touchdowns in this offense. Uh, I think that uh, I think if D.J. doesn't play uh, at thirty nine hundred on, on draftings, I'm going to slot him in a, in a couple of spots.
2: The other guy that I like as a cheap wide receiver, we'll probably get to that game next or very soon, is uh, Robbie Anderson from the Jets, whether whether it's McCallum or Sam Darnold, as long as it's one of those two and not option C. Uh, Robbie Anderson at 3,500 in tournaments is really interesting. You look at his air yardage this season, it's actually pretty impressive. 89.3 air yards per game, almost two air yards per snap. The average target depth for Robbie Anderson, over 16 yards. like They keep taking those shots downfield to him. Uh, target volume over the last four games he's played has been 5, seven, ten, and 5. For a guy that can do a lot with very little, which we saw back in that Denver matchup a few weeks ago, Robbie Anderson's back on my tournament radar as he gets away from that
1: ankle injury. It seems like he also does very little with a lot some days, though.
2: Well, yeah, right. Yeah, he'll get 10 (laughs) targets and catch two some days because they're, they're Josh McCollum with a bad thumb chucking it 40 yards downfield. But hey, you know, sometimes you hit and Tennessee's secondary, I think, can be exploited with those big plays downfield.
1: So we'll jump, but we'll jump down to that game. We got the Jets at Tennessee, Tennessee minus seven and a half uh, over under a 40 and a half. Uh, Crazy. No one's over 5,500 in DraftKings in this game. No one over 7,000 on FanDuel in this game. That includes injured players. Like there's nobody that's there. Uh, You mentioned Robbie Anderson, who you like at the price. Uh, I'm not a big Robbie Anderson guy, but at 3,200 or whatever you said it was, I mean, that's, that's low enough that in a tournament, you can slide that in and you hope he hits on a big touchdown. On the Jets side, you know, maybe Chris Hernan at 3,200. He had eight targets last week. But I think, as we've mentioned, I think there's plenty of tight ends i probably like more this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, Anderson, again, it's big field GPP, third receiver, just trying to open up cash for everything else and hoping you catch lightning in a bottle. I think the player I like the most in this game is actually Corey Davis at 5,500. Still very affordable on DraftKings, especially. Uh, you look at what he did last week. That designed run play was really effective, 39 yards on that one carry. Four targets, four catches, 96 yards. I think the target volume most weeks comes in closer to seven or eight. He said four in back-to-back games, but that week 11 loss to the Colts was such a massive blowout that I think the Titans kind of just curled up and said, we're done in that matchup. So uh, I think Davis is back to being cash game viable again this week because Marcus Mariota seems to be healthy, and the Jets have been so banged up in that secondary. I think Davis can put up a really big line against them.
1: My uh, my favorite uh, way off the radar, low percentage guy this week is actually Derek Henry in this game at 3,800 on, on DK. Uh, the Jets allowed 206 yards on 30 carries to Sony Michel and James White last week. Dion Lewis is starting to slow down. He was seven carries for eight yards last week, 10 for 24 rushing the week before that. Starting to really struggle in the run game. Still in the passing game, he had seven catches last week. But Derrick Henry was eight for thirty last week. He was nine for forty six week before that. He was eleven for fifty eight the week before that. I feel like this this trend is starting to finally flip in Henry's direction. I don't love the player. But at 3,800 in a game where they're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, where he might be bleeding the clock the whole second half, I think Henry's a guy that at 3,800 could actually be a huge boon this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, interesting in tournaments especially. You're just worried about a, a goofy game script with turnovers or something that kind of pulls everything of course, over to yeah, Lewis. Yeah. But at that price, he, he's he's definitely better positioned this week than he is most weeks, given that Vegas yeah. line. I think it's kind of like – you know, the situation with Seattle, I mentioned it at the top with Chris Carson, where you look at Seattle, they're big favorites. Carson should get high teens carries, maybe even twenty plus. The same could probably be said about Henry this week. And you're you're saving a lot of money off of Carson's price. So yeah, Derek Henry is very sneaky if you want to do something that very few people are gonna do, especially on DraftKings. The price on FanDuel probably isn't that bad either. I mean, I, I wouldn't think that he'd be priced up that much. He's been such a disappointment this year. People generally have just walked away from Henry. Uh, looks like he is fifty. He's fifty five
1: hundred. Yeah, Yeah.
2: so I I think he's playable over there too as a pretty sneaky tournament option.
1: So you mentioned Seattle. Uh, We'll jump to that game. We got the uh, the four Niners in Seattle. Seattle's a ten point favorite at home. Uh, Niners are obviously struggling, struggling nine points against Tampa Bay. Weirdly enough, I think there's a couple interesting spots on the Niners offense. You know, Matt Breed has been really good, 130 plus yards in the last two weeks on only 20 and 17 touches respectively. Uh 26 carries of 10 plus yards or more on the year. I think he's third in the NFL on that, which is pretty crazy because he's missed a bunch of he's missed like chunks of three or four games with injuries. Christian McCaffrey just destroyed Seattle last week. They have a, they've given up a hundred yard running back in three of the last four weeks. My problem here is the game script. I just think that as a ten-point underdog, you know, gonna throw the ball, but he might get some passes out of the backfield. Do you like Breida this week or does the does the game script kind of scare you away from that?
2: I, I think he's a little more game script proof than a lot of other backs at this price point. I mean, he said four targets each of the last two games. Uh, I think he could get more than that if they're playing from behind right away. And see, I just think you have to kind of look at it and say, okay, Seattle's been bad against the run. Breed is pretty efficient. He's dynamic enough to keep playing if they fall behind it's a what could go right scenario and the price is still pretty good at 5800 so i think he gets ignored in part because philip Lindsay's 400 dollars cheaper we've talked about lamar miller and gus edwards and some four thousand dollar backs that people might be into for flex options as well Um, so i think the appeal with brita is really just that i think he's going to be low owned and this spot really isn't that bad even with san francisco being a big road
1: underdog my only concern is just kind of the game pace. I wonder if Seattle gets up, you know, 14 to three, they run the ball 700 times this game. They
2: might. I mean, Chris Carson might get 497 carries. So you got to look <laughs> out for that.
1: He <laughs> took my exaggeration. You played it one up. I like it. Uh, Carson is uh, 5,200 on DraftKings, 6,300 on FanDuel. Um, the last three games, 25 for 105, 17 for 83 and a touchdown, 1655 in a touchdown. Been good. Uh, he doesn't catch any passes, but this is a perfect game script game for him. Got to think it, there's a really good chance he gets like 20 to 22 carries in this game.
2: Yeah, when he gets right up close to 20 or gets over 20, usually gets 100 yards along with it, gets chances inside the red zone. I mean, I think this is a, a pretty good volume setup for him. The distribution of touches between Carson, uh, Rashad Penny, and Mike Davis seems to be pretty clear right now. It's like 65, 70% of the overall touches are going in Carson's direction right now. So uh, I do like him on both sides this week. Probably play him more in tournaments than in cash games even though the volume should be there. It is still a three-headed monster. It is still Brian Schottenheimer's offense. I don't think he's <laughs> going to be that popular. I mean, like, will he be ignored? No, but I just think everybody going to that price point is going to go at Philip Lindsay against the Bengals.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think I like him a little more on Fanduel just because he doesn't catch the ball, and it's fifty two hundred on DraftKings. He's not that cheap. There's a lot of really cheap guys uh, on DraftKings. They, they get you get uh, you get higher higher guys and lower lower guys on DraftKings. Sixty two hundred on Fanduel, I think, is a pretty nice spot in the, kind of that mid tier. I think he's seven hundred cheaper than Philip Lindsay there, so that that helps a little bit. And then, like you said, I don't think he's gonna be very highly owned. I think the game script just works out really well for him for a team that runs the ball now more than anybody in the NFL.
2: I really don't look at, at Nick Mullins coming off last week's clunker and, and think he's going to go into Seattle and he's going to play really well. I, I think the path for San Francisco in that game is to you know, force a turnover, get a special teams touchdown, win the toss and score on the opening drive with Breida carving up the Seattle defense. Like there's, there's a few ways for them to keep it close for a little while, but I don't think it's Nick Mullins lighting up Seattle's defense.
1: The Niners have sucked in Seattle for years with way better teams and way better quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, I would expect that trend to continue.
1: So uh, on the passing side, I just don't think I'm going with the Seattle passing game at all this week. I think we've mentioned the game script really could hurt them and they run the ball more than anyone. I mean, Russell Wilson has been great, but great in kind of a real NFL way. He has multiple touchdowns, in seven straight games, but none of the, only one of those games, only 31 passes over 31 passes in that stretch. So he's just really hyper-efficient did have 300 yards last week for the first time all season passing. So the ceiling is just limit on Wilson. I mean, he's so good, so talented, but just the way they play kind of limits him in, in kind of a DFS, especially in a tournament where you're trying to, you're trying to get an explosive number.
2: Yeah, I, I keep looking at it, and because the attempts aren't there, it's not totally unlike the Deshaun Watson situation where the touchdowns have, have been driving the value, but you're just worried that the yardage floor is pretty low because he won't have to throw it that much most weeks. That's kind of how they want it to play out, and, and as a result, that ceiling is capped. It's the highest price we've seen on Russell Wilson on DraftKings since week two, uh, so I think that keeps people away in what would be a good spot if you believed San Francisco could push back and and put points on the board. Because as I mentioned earlier, that you want to beat the Niners through the air. They're very weak uh, in coverage. I forgot about the revenge game uh, narrative for, for Richard Sherman in this one too. I was, I totally forgot about that.
1: Yeah. That'll be interesting with him going up to Seattle, but you know, he just kind of shuts down his side of the field last week. Uh, I forget who it was, but someone ran right by him for a, for a big play. I think it was Mike Evans. Uh, but for the most part, he shuts down his side, but they just have nobody to cover anybody else on the other side of the field, and they just get lit up there. But when you mentioned Mullins, you know, George Kittle's clearly his security blanket. Kittle didn't do much last week, only 48 yards, but he had 12 targets. He has 22 the last two weeks. If you want to go low percentage on on a really good player in a good spot and good game script, Kittle's 5,900 on DraftKings. We've mentioned about eight to 10 tight ends that are probably going to be more popular. I think Kittle slides in it four or five percent this week and i always like getting a player like that when he's that low
2: yeah i mean i think because of the ebron and lacoste all the things we've talked about situation that actually will bring the ownership rate down on kittle he came in higher than i expected last week he was at 28 percent in the slant Oof. last week like i didn't think he was getting anywhere near that so gr- i grossly misread the situation but Keep in mind, like last week, Eric Ebron was under 5% owned. He's going to be over 30% this week. Breit was at 14%. He'll probably be down a little bit. People might trust Gronk more this week than last week. He could be close to 10. There's lots of other places for people to go this week compared to last week. But uh, yeah, Kittle, I mean, coming off a relatively disappointing game, even though he got the targets, probably does fall quite a bit in ownership.
1: Yeah, there are. I watched a bunch of that game just because I'm a 49ers fan. and I'm a glutton for punishment. But Mullins drops back. And the first thing he does is look to, to see where Kittle is.
2: I mean, I would do that, too. Like, I yes. in, in the current version of that offense with, with Marquise Goodwin out last week, taking those shots downfield really wasn't something you could do. So leaning on Kittle made a lot of sense.
1: So, uh, my favorite game of the day is next, uh, Minnesota headed to New England. I think this is a fascinating game. Patriots fared by five and a half over under 48 and a half. I think this is the game that if we're going to get a shootout game, kind of in the under 55, uh, over under those other games we talked about, this is the one Kirk Cousins. You mentioned 5,500 on draft games, seems really low to me. He is uh, he struggled in the middle of the year, been back on fire lately. He had 342 yards and three touchdowns last week. 262 in a couple of touchdowns the week before, and then he had a 359 and a two-touchdown game in week eight. So three of his last four have been really good games. Uh, great game script with them as an underdog, but in a pretty high-scoring game. You know, Josh McCown had 276 yards against the Patriots last week. Not too bad for Josh McCown, but no one's over been over 300 on them since week seven. So how do you kind of think this game plays out with Cousins uh, throwing against this defense?
2: You know, I think the line is, is too big. I think as long as Diggs and Thielen are both healthy, they're going to have ways to move the ball through the air. Delvin Cook's price down a lot right now too, so that Boise. creates a, a totally different sort of tournament angle too, if you want to go at it that way. But I, I look at Cousins and I'm thinking, what am I missing? Like 5500, it's the best per dollar play at quarterback based on the the RotoWire projections this week by a decent margin. Um, I I think he's going to be fairly owned, not like not chalky, but not low owned. So I think you can play him and not really worry about it. This line feels wrong to me. I know it's tough to go into New England and to win, but Minnesota, I think they're good. I like, think their defense is starting to come together. If if Rhodes is out, that opens things up for more shootout potential, and they have the weapons to keep pace. I think the other thing about uh, this this matchup too is, as much as we saw Minnesota get a great pass rush against Rogers, especially after Bakhtiari left that game, New England does such a great job protecting Brady that I don't think that pass rush is going to be as effective. I think Brady can find some ways to break them down defensively and really, again, force volume onto that Minnesota passing game. So I, I'm fascinated by this matchup. I love the price Me on too. Cousins. If Diggs gets the all clear, Cousins and Diggs is a great combo. I have no reservations about paying up for Thielen if you want to go that route instead. Uh, but I'm, I'm blown away by how cheap Cousins is. He's cheap on both sides, too. 7600 on FanDuel is actually pretty affordable for him yep. there as well.
1: It is. Thielen's my favorite receiver this week. He'd be my number one receiver if I was uh, ranking receivers. Uh, he's my favorite uh, standalone play there. Uh, 8,000 on DK, 8,100 on FanDuel. He kind of had that small lull. He had the, the long stretch of 100 yard games. He had 22, then 65 yards back at it last week. Eight catches for a buck 25 and a touchdown fantastic games as we mentioned before uh the pats are 30th in the nfl and fancy points to slot receivers which are you know feeling spends a bunch of his time uh, i think Thielen goes for over 100 and a touchdown this week uh, he's probably my probably my favorite receiver uh i will probably be pairing him with cousins in, in a number of lineups too
2: yeah I, I like that play a lot probably a top two or three combo as far as receiver quarterbacks go but uh Thielen definitely a, a cash game building block again and i i think <laughs> I think he's going to be kind of high-owned in tournaments, though, because of the lower-priced running backs that are viable. You know, like the Aaron Jones situation, the Kareem Hunt situation, Philip Lindsay. I think having a lot of other options in the, in the mid-tier and then the second tier, I guess we'll call it, like under 8K, that will drive up the ownership rate on a guy like Thielen floating right around 8,000 himself.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm probably hoping that uh, people see Julio, you know, a hundred bucks cheaper and maybe just uh, auto click that one instead. But you're probably right. Thielen's, got, Thielen's not going to be low percentage this week, but uh, he's still my favorite guy. What do you do with Dalvin Cook? Uh, flat out, their offensive line cannot run block. They uh, Pro Football Focus ranks them 30th in offensive lines uh, right now through 12 weeks. I just wonder if this game script gets interesting for him. Latavius Murray is not going to catch balls on the backfield. Cook can do so. Um, He doesn't have a rushing touchdown all year long. Granted, he was banged up for a bunch of the year, but still doesn't have a rushing touchdown. But I wonder at 6,200, especially on FanDuel, that's really cheap. He's 6,200 on DraftKings, also not quite as cheap there when you compare the two sites. But... I just wonder if uh, if this game script works out where they get behind a little bit, they're kind of throwing the whole way, whether, whether Cook gets a lot of targets out of the backfield.
2: Yeah, I think he's a tournament play on FanDuel. I think on DraftKings this week, because of the way everything else is set up, you probably just kind of watch and see what happens. The run blocking issue yeah. that you pointed out is really important. But for tournaments especially, 6,200 to steal, he can get carries in the red zone. If they're going to put points on the board, yeah, maybe Thielen gets them downfield and, and Cook inside the 10 ends up finishing the drive. Like, that's totally possible. Right. He, he looks healthy to me right now. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, Murray's going to get 25% of the snaps, but Cook's going to be out there in passing situations. And if we think New England can move the ball consistently against Minnesota's defense, Cook's going to be out there more than usual this week. Uh, I'd really like him as a tournament play on FanDuel in particular.
1: Yeah, I think I do too. I think I, the, the healthy point you point out is really important because I mean, I think we forget how truly explosive the guy is. I mean, he looked awesome last year before he got hurt and now he's finally kind of ramping it back up. So I think that, uh, I think you're right. I think in a, in a tournament setting on FanDuel, I really like him. Um, other guy in this offense, Stefan Diggs, you mentioned he's got double digit targets in eight of nine games. That's, that's a pretty crazy run of targets.
2: Yeah. I mean, this knee injury that's kept him out of practice so far this week, that's worth monitoring very closely on Friday. Uh, you're getting um, a slight price break from Diggs, or from Thielen rather. Diggs is seventy-six hundred compared to Thielen's eight thousand on DraftKings. Uh it's a four hundred dollar difference, seventy seven hundred and eighty one hundred on FanDuel for those two guys. If you can't quite squeeze in Thielen, I'm fine with using Diggs, but I do think I like the matchup a little better for Thielen this week because of the Patriots issues covering slot receivers and the likelihood that Thielen runs most, if not even all, of his routes from the slot this week.
1: So on the other side of the ball, you mentioned earlier you were like uh, you really like Josh Gordon. You know we may check if uh, Xavier Rhodes plays, but you you know you mentioned that his his percentage may go down. That may you may even like that even more. He has seventy plus yards in four of his last five games. What else do you like on this on this Patriots offense besides Gordon this week? The running
2: back situation might get more cloudy if Rex Burkhead is back, and you already mentioned yep. James White starting to taper off a little bit in recent weeks. Uh, so if I were going to do anything with the running backs, it would be Sony Michelle. I'm not playing enough lineups to get there. You know Brady might be kind of low owned like of all the players we've talked about quarterback wise there's probably it's kind of like tight end. there's like six to eight different guys that people probably all like better and if you think this game's going to hit the over, Brady flying under the radar in tournaments maybe for the second straight week could actually be pretty interesting is under five percent owned in the slant last week.
1: I think it's a a fascinating spot for Brady. I mean we've talked so much about the lack of touchdowns. he did have two last week, and the yards have still pretty much been there, but Fifty eight hundred on DraftKings. He was sixty five hundred last week, fifty eight hundred this week. A huge drop down. I think this game turns into a, a bit of a shootout. I do like Minnesota's defense, but I like them more. I think on the run on the run side. So Brady's really sneaky this week. I think people are finally kind of not playing him. I just wonder if you get a five percent Tom Brady, uh how fun that could be if it turns into a shootout.
2: And I think because of the price, especially on DraftKings, Julian Edelman is going to be lower owned than he should be. He was a about 13% owned in the slant last week. But you think about Gordon being 5,900. I think more people are going to want to pair Gordon to Brady than Edelman because of budget concerns. So I think that's something kind of, it's kind of interesting too. Like Edelman should be higher owned than he will be. And that makes him interesting.
1: I think so too. I think he's just such such a nice floor guy. He had double digit targets three weeks in a row. Only had five last week against the jets, but they were kind of game flow there a little bit. He did score a touchdown. He, uh, you know, the Vikings much like the Patriots are better against outside receivers and slot guys. That works well for Edelman too. last guy in this game before we get to the final game. uh, How do you feel about Gronk after he played pretty much the whole game last week?
2: It's feeling good until he popped up on the injury report again with back and ankle issues. I mean, that's not totally like totally shocking, but it, Limited practice Thursday. I, I think he's fine. I think because of the way the rest of the position goes, I'm not playing him, but that probably means he's a great play. I mean, it, it's the same logic that we'd apply to Brady where you say, well, Gronk, 5%, 7% on this week. That's, that's a steal. Like, why, why not? So how, how aggressive would you be stacking Brady with pass catchers? Would you go Brady plus two, or do you only go Brady with one?
1: I think I'd probably go Brady with one, and then I'd go Thielen uh, coming back on the other side also.
2: Yeah, that makes, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, especially if you go Brady-Gronk to get really low ownership at tight end or Brady-Gordon if Rhodes is yep. playing. You're, you're saving a lot of money at those two spots, so paying up for Thielen doesn't really hurt you at all.
1: Yeah, I think that you can go if you were to do that, you can play a a high, easily get a high dollar running back in there and then kind of build around that. And you've got a pretty, pretty nice core right there with uh, if the if the Vikings Patriots game goes, as I think, you know, you really could have a fun afternoon of watching games.
2: Yeah, that that's the game I think I'm looking forward to the most kind of by far of the uh, the late afternoon games.
1: All right. Last game of the day, we have the uh, the Raiders and the Chiefs. Uh, safe to say we can uh, – is there anybody on the Raiders side of the ball you like before we get to the Chiefs side to finish up?
2: I really don't like any Raiders. As you said, you have to play one. I think Jared Cook is the guy I trust the most right now.
1: Yeah, I think so too. He's the only guy I kind of wrote up in looking at this. Uh, Derek Carr is really cheap, but there's just too many quarterbacks that uh, that I prefer to play. Um, on the Casey side – Obviously, you know, Oakland can't stop anybody. It's a 15 and a half point spread. With that being said, are you worried about game script with Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey? Do you think they're, you know, kind of game script proof or if they're going to score that many points because those guys are going to go off? How do you attack the Chiefs' offense this week in terms of DFS?
2: Cash wise, Kareem Hunt. I mean, I just think the script is perfect for the run game. Um, tournaments, as always, I think you can plug in the Chiefs' passing game. Like they they go nuts before they, they back off. And when you have a guy in Mahomes who's averaging more than 30 DraftKings points per game, you still have to think about finding a way to to put him into a tournament lineup. I don't know if I would, can make a lineup I like with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill since Hill's up at 9,100. It's almost <laughs> impossible to stack it and yeah. feel good about the rest. So Mahomes-Kelsey is probably the way I would go if I was going to... Put one of the pass catchers in the same lineup as Mahomes in a tournament.
1: Yeah, you don't see many guys who are you know more expensive on DK and, and Hill 700, 000, 700 more than he is on Fanduel. Mahomes is ninety five hundred on Fanduel this week.
2: That's insane. I mean, Tyreek Hill in the Arizona game, which Arizona hung around a little more than we would have thought in Week Ten. Ten targets, seven catches, one hundred seventeen yards, two touchdowns. He had thirty five point seven DraftKings points in a game they won pretty easily. Like, the ceiling is insane i i it, even even in a blowout so i i'm trying to come up with a, a projected ownership on mahomes for this week and i i i can't like i i really don't have a, a good feel for it
1: i think it's nine to eleven percent somewhere in there and how low do
2: you think hill ends up being then
1: uh low like six to eight percent in, in draft kings at 9100 i i don't think that many people you just it's too, it's too hard to get him in there with all the it's it's hard to pay him twelve hundred dollars more than Julio. I don't think that many people do it, eleven 1, hundred more than Thielen. I just think at ninety one hundred he's gonna it's gonna bring a lot of ownership off him.
2: I mean, because if you start to build around Hill with Mahomes, you're probably immediately taking some Ebron chalk to save money at tight yep. end.
1: Or you go or you go Matt Lacoste.
2: You go Matt Lacoste to go real cheap and then you go yep.
1: Philip Lindsay, Aaron Jones. I don't I mean, it's doable. It's just yeah, you're just you're writing off you're writing off Hunt, Barkley, and McCaffrey probably, but uh, there, there's certainly a way to get there if those if those mid range running backs uh, play well.
2: Yeah, you just need the Gurley, gir- McCaffrey, Barkley, yeah. and Hunt to all stay at or below twenty DraftKings points.
1: Yeah, even if you need them not to you know not to go crazy. it's been the it's been the tough part this year. When I do hit on mid range running backs, it seems like it doesn't work because. McCaffrey or Gurley or someone else scores 42 points is you, you can't you can't compete with that.
2: Right, at 30 plus percent ownership.
1: Right. Uh, Kareem Hunt in this game, eighty nine hundred on Fanduel, seventy eight hundred on DraftKings. More interesting than me on DraftKings. Uh he scored in eight of his nine games. Uh, Gus Edwards had one hundred eighteen yards last year, last week against the Raiders. David Johnson one thirty seven the week before that. The Raiders can't stop anybody. They can't rush the passer. Mahomes' stats when he does not get pressured are just bonkers. He's a, he's a little bit. Uh, he definitely is worse outside of the pocket, but when he's in the pocket, he's insane. What do you do with Kareem Hunt? I mean, he's uh, 7,800. He's a little bit less than Barkley. He's way less than McCaffrey, way less than Gurley. Um, he's only got a one 100-yard rushing game this year, the way they kind of run their offense. Do you like Hunt this week, or is uh, how do you feel about him?
2: I do. At DraftKings, the price is really good. He's a cash game staple for me. I mean, I think 24 points is very, very reachable for him. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think there's that much because of the matchup that separates him from those more expensive backs, from McCaffrey, from Gurley even, This particular week, I think that gap is smaller than usual because of just how bad Oakland is.
1: Yeah, I think I'll have a lot of cream hunt on DraftKings, not as much on Fanduel because he's the same price as the as the other guys, or same price as McCaffrey at least, and and Saquon. And but uh, on DK, he's you know a hundred or a thousand less than than McCaffrey. That's a pretty significant jump down for a game that should work out really well for him game script wise. My only concern is there, at, you know they're up forty two to seven in the fourth, and then we see a lot of Spencer Ware.
2: Yeah, but I mean, if they're up forty-two to seven, if they score six exactly. touchdowns, you're projecting one and a half to hunt. So, kind of Agreed. a coin flip if it's two versus one. But he probably got you a lot of yardage along the way too.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point. People uh, people worry about the, you know, the big leads, but like you said, in the same basketball works the same way. You know, usually if if the Warriors are up thirty, it's because Steph Curry and Kevin Durant did something. So you've got you got to get to those forty-two points, and you know you want the guys in there to when, when they're building that lead.
2: Yeah, if he gives you fifty fantasy points in three quarters well you, you don't care <laughs> right. if the game was closer and he stretched over four quarters he still got the same result
1: yeah uh anybody else do you want to discuss i think we kind of hit every game it's a it's a big script or a big slate this week but i think we kind of hit them all
2: yeah i think we covered everybody i wanted to discuss uh, i did put up a, a DraftKings article this week so you can check that out it's on the site now rotowire.com pod pod get a free 10-day trial if you're not already a subscriber
1: did you? Uh, are you doing the Are you doing the showdown on Monday night again this week?
2: I wrote up the Thursday night game, and oh, I nice. will, uh, I'll, I'll write up the Monday out. one on Monday morning. So yeah, I got I got to actually I didn't put a lineup in when I wrote the article. I better jam a lineup in real quick before uh things those, get crazy.
1: Uh, th- those have been really good on the showdowns. It really uh, it really kind of brings out those uh, those guys I wouldn't normally think about on, on a regular slate. Yeah, I
2: mean thanks. Like that's like, that's kind of the the goal. I'm like I don't want to tell people exactly what combo I want to play because like why like why would i do that like that's, right that, that's not like i haven't even decided when i'm writing it i'm kind of just right. putting everything on the table that that should be accounted for and hopefully helping people decide for themselves what they want to do and if you want to go cheap you want to steer away from the the common mvps the common captains things like that so i'm glad you're enjoying those hopefully everybody else is starting to check those out and the format's more fun than i expected like when they first started launching those i thought come on like single game yeah cool. me too but uh, having yeah. the multiplier i think adds wrinkle uh, tonight they're actually on fanduel launching a second half only contest i don't oh, i don't shit. know i don't know <laughs> if i'm getting in on that i'm going to keep an eye on the overlay and if there's a lot of overlay maybe i'll do it but
1: it, is yeah. the, is the deadline at halftime or is it the deadline at the start of the game
2: i think it's 9:10 eastern and they said in the comment thing above the lineup they can move it back if the half is taking a long time
1: Wow, that's uh that's that we're we're getting close to in game fantasy uh, fantasy picking. It's it's not it's not far away.
2: No, it it really isn't. And and you you think people despise certain coaches and coordinators now. Wait till we get to that level.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So well thanks everybody for listening to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week thirteen. Hopefully you enjoyed. We enjoyed doing it. Again, if you could please rate or view the podcast, we greatly appreciate that. Other than that, we'll be back at you next week for week fourteen. Hope everybody has a, everybody has a fantastic week. Take
0: care.